0: Where'd Michael go? that?
1: When he heard you were starting, he out said, well, out the there you go. Bro. Down
0: the floor and out the door. Go to you go.
2: Well, I got an announcement to make. Okay. My girls love the kids baking championships and watching that. So last night they decided to have a bake off. So they baked two cakes. Mm-hmm. That they want you guys to feel more welcome to go try. When Well, they're having have it over there, so I don't know if they're going to bring it over or get over there afterwards. Somebody's going to tell them to bring
0: it over. Well, I uh, I was hoping for Mike to be here for me to make this announcement. Wait a minute. He's here. He was here. He was here. Joke's not funny if the guy you're poking it at is. (laughs) It's not the same. Well, just change and put his name on there. Oh no, it won't work, the same. <laughs> won't work the same. Well, actually, it's not a joke on him. Oh. We we know that uh, we're praying for Mike. He's having knee surgery, knee replacement surgery, next Monday. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be at the house and needing care. And so. I thought I'd get a bell for uh, for Christy to you know ring in case he needs her.
2: Bring in the she, She'll them. be so
0: she'll be so responsive, won't you, won't you Christy? Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna bring this back now. Don't you hide it. Give it to Mike when he I comes. Already in at home. <laughs> Let him know that uh, you know, all he has to do, all he has to do, whatever his little heart desires, <laughs> so uh, it, you know, right there. <laughs> and uh, and you'll jump and run, right? You'll jump and run. jump and run. <laughs> Bring him yeah. the bell ring of the bell for Mike. Yeah. <laughs> oh my.
3: Hopefully I don't hit that
0: head <laughs> with it. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, somebody reach over there and ring that bell when Mike comes back. And, yeah, assuming he does, you know. Well, let's have a word of prayer and get started tonight. We welcome those that are watching on live stream and I encourage you to turn in your Bibles with us to John chapter 7 and 8, and we've just got the last verse of 7. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon our time together in your word tonight. We pray, Father, for your hand to be upon us as we study your word and as your word illumines our path. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Turn then to John chapter 7, verse 53. We're just taking one verse out of the seventh chapter. We covered it last couple weeks. Okay. So just, just take that one verse. And everyone went to his own house. There you go. Everyone went to his own house. Now this is after Jesus says, wait a minute, let's let's give him no give, put it back there. I brought the bell for you, Mike, to ring at the house for Christy to come and bring you your tea and cookies and stuff. Yeah, she took time. she took the clapper out. <laughs> that's really awesome. There you go. No, that's that's a good thought. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just, a, just a little bell. To, you know. Every time a bell rings set No, what? already yeah. ordered one. Oh, really? Okay. Well, it's not as big as that. There's a rumor going around that,
1: that there's one coming
3: already.
0: That's not as loud as the one I have at the house, if you'd like to have right. me bring it by. <laughs> you, you might not hear that one. <laughs> well, the one I have at the house is like a dinner bell. Yeah. yeah. I, so I got a clippers be bell. Older people here will remember Miss Francis and the Ding Dong School. It's that kind of gong kind of bell. Well, we'll we'll just let you have some fun with that. The last verse of chapter 7 in John, you remember that there were no verses and chapters in the original manuscripts of the Bible. These were put in later on by Eusebius great guy. Glad he did it in the third century. And so sometimes thoughts continue over from one chapter to another because it was a continuous narrative. And that's the case here. So before we get into chapter 8, we're going to look at the last verse of chapter 7. Jesus had secretly gone up to Jerusalem for what feast? beginning to think that we totally lost last week. Uh, Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. And he went up secretly. His brothers, uh, nice guys that they were, his earthly half-brothers, they said, oh yeah, go on up there. Uh, why don't you go up and show your miracles and stuff, knowing that they, the Jews wanted to kill Jesus. And they probably weren't high on his fan list either. Well, Jesus goes up secretly, but he doesn't hide out. He doesn't hide out. He doesn't take his disciples with him. He goes to the temple and he starts teaching. And he continues teaching in the Solomon's porch, we believe. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, The whole time of the seven-day feast. And then on the last, the great day of the feast is when he proclaims as the high priest is pouring out the water from the pool on the steps by the altar... And people would position themselves for the water to hit them. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and I'll give him living water. And uh, uh, so the people were really wanting to kill him then. And then they started bickering amongst themselves, and after a while, they fussed with each other so long, they forgot about Jesus, and verse 53, and everyone went to his own house. They just left <laughs> Temple Mountain. 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. This is after the feast is over. He's still on the clock. He's still teaching. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst they said to him, Teacher, This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. I love it. So... When they continued asking him, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? He raised himself up and said to them, Well, he who was without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Let him cast the first stone. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. But have the light of life. So, we're going to try and unpack this, this, uh, this story, this episode on the top of the Temple Mount. And everybody else went to their house, but where did Jesus go? Went to the Mount of Olives. And some people said, well, why in the world did he go to the Mount of Olives? And, uh, you say, well, he went there to pray. Well, sometimes he did go there to pray. But where was his house? Where did he live? He lived in Capernaum. Yeah. He's a hundred miles away from his house. The local scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law, they just went home after the feast. Jesus had traveled a hundred miles he didn't have a house there. Well, he had friends and whatever, but he, he went secretly. So many assume that he, along with others, would stay kind of camping out in on the Mount of Olives, at, in the, the Garden of Gethsemane area and that whole mount. And so I wanted to take you on just kind of a little bit of tour of the Mount of Olives tonight. Uh, We want to look at some of the important events that happen on, or will happen, on the Mount of Olives. As you're looking at Jerusalem, on the east side, when you approach it from the east, uh, there's a high mountain called the Mount of Olives. And it's kind of half and half. On the left side, as you're looking at the Temple Mount, on the left side, okay, like this picture of the Temple Mount here, if you're looking on the left side, you see all those stones and rocky things at the bottom? Those are tombs. They're just kind of grave markers. And uh, on the left side is the largest Jewish cemetery in the world. And there's a reason for that. And we'll explain it later. On the right side, you notice it starts getting green over there towards the right. On the right side of the Mount of Olives is not a cemetery, but all kinds of gardens and olive trees and all kinds of things all the way down the hillside. And uh, so if we get the picture of that as we're coming to... The Mount of Olives tonight, and we're just going to look in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a part on the right side of the Mount of Olives. When we go over to Israel, we go through the, the one Garden of, of Gethsemane, which is next door to a church called the Church of Our Father, where all over the place, in every language known to man, they have the Lord's Prayer where Jesus prayed and taught his disciples. And then some ancient um, olive trees. Gethsemane means the olive press, or the press of olive oil. And it was a major big deal in those days to have olive oil to, to light, to cook with, to cleanse with, for healing purposes, whatever. And on the right side, when we go to Israel, we I, I pay a little bit extra, and I rent a a private garden where we could go and pray. How many of you have been with us to the private garden and walk around and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? Let me try and find my my stuff and we'll get there. I'm going to turn the sound off because this guy likes to talk too much. Mm -hmm. unlike me. Walking through the garden of Gethsemane by the church of our fathers you see how gnarled and uh, bushy these trees are. They make an excellent covering. It's said that it's difficult for rain to reach the ground from underneath the branches of the olive tree. They're very thick and fine. And Okay. There's the the city of Jerusalem up there. And we're just across the valley on the Mount of Olives looking towards the the beautiful gate that will one day usher in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. here is the the Garden of Gethsemane that's right beside the, the church of our Father. You cannot walk in amongst these trees one of the trees is over uh, 1,500 years old. You say, well, are there any trees there that were there at the time of Jesus? No, not actually, because this tree right here is the oldest one. Uh, the Romans, when they conquered and were so fed up with the Jews, they tore down the temple, they burned everything up on the hillside. And uh, But the olive tree, the way that a new Branch or sprig or growth comes from the olive tree is when the olive branch touches the ground, it will plant the seed. And so, stop. And uh, I love Jim Caviezel, but don't do that to me, boy. Come on. You ain't letting him talk, and that's what he's doing. And and he's upset, (laughs) and I'm upset with him right now. Okay, let's try this again. Hold oh, on. Okay, there we go. So, the trees that are there are offsprings of trees. And, uh, again, looking from the Garden of Gethsemane across and over here to the beautiful gate leading into the city, which is right now closed up. But one day, the King of Glory is going to walk through there, open wide the gates. Uh, So we're looking at the the city of Jerusalem there. The left side is this massive cemetery with the tombstone markers on top. On the right side, we have the, the olive groves, and the private prayer garden that we go to. And you can go right up and just kneel beneath the, one of the olive trees and and pray and seek the Lord while you're looking at the, the golden gate, if you will, of the city. And I'm gonna stop before Caviezel comes on. Nothing personal, Jim of easel that is. Okay. (laughs) There he comes again. Can't stop the boy. Okay. So, no, stop. It says stop. So, um, questions about the Garden of Gethsemane or reflections if you've been there on the Garden of Gethsemane. Anyone? You don't have to wave tonight. I can see your hands. (laughs) I'm about 75% with the odds. Praise God. God. Pastor, when I had the chance
1: to visit there, I was able to get off by myself. And I don't don't remember if I sat under a tree or on a bench. But I've never felt a more personal closeness with Jesus than I did at that particular moment. Wow. Uh, And I've had some wonderful moments with the Lord. That was a personal... It was a highlight of my my trips to
0: Israel. It's a. Uh, uh, sometimes I'm not able to get that private garden rented, but uh, most times I do, and it's it's just a, a different experience being able to just have nobody pressuring you. You got all the time, and you just have time to commune with the Lord. And you're sitting underneath these trees, and you're looking across, and you see the what is the golden gate of the, of the city of Jerusalem that one, right now it's boarded up or bricked up. But one day, Jesus is going to enter the city as he comes back on the second coming. We'll talk about that in a moment. Anything else about the, the Garden of Gethsemane, the right side of that picture, the, the Mount of Olives, if you will?
3: I had a, a picture. I was telling Tom, it's in one of my boxes out in the garage of, of Jesus praying in the garden. And uh, it's on silk screen. And it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. Um, but what he agonized over.
0: he was coming into the city, we'll talk about that in a moment, but as he was coming he paused halfway down on the Mount of Olives coming into the city and he wept over Jerusalem. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem how often have I wanted to draw you like a hen, gathers her chicks under a wing, but you would not. And it's the same, well let's, let's look at some of the uh, events that happen on or about <coughs> the Mount of Olives. Anybody else? Something that, to say about the, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, or
3: it was there that we had the we took the Last Supper, wasn't it? I mean, not, or the good
0: cup the communion. communion. We, we take that in the Garden. In the garden That's too. not in Gethsemane. That's okay. on the other side okay. of the okay. of the city. But we take it in olive wood cups, as a reminder. And can anybody remember what grape juice in an olive wood cup tastes like? Very Good
1: Bitter, <laughs> bitter not sweet.
0: And uh, it's a reminder that the cup was sweet when it was poured in, but bitter to the taste. And Calvary is like that, is it not? It's bitter what Jesus went through, but it's a sweet taste that we have salvation through his sacrifice on the cross. So let's look at some of the events that happened scripturally and prophetically on the Mount of Olives. Let me get Matthew out of the way. Now we're not Probably going to be able to take all of the all of these scriptures. We'll take a few. Uh, can I get someone to look up Second Samuel 15 verses 30 and 31? Who will do that, please? Okay, Marcia's got that. And then Matthew 21 1 through 6. Quentin's got that. We'll take those two at first. The first portion of scripture relates to the time when David, King David. Was running for his life. His son Absalom had taken out a bounty on his head, dead or alive, his own dad. And David is fleeing out from the palace and he goes up on the Mount of Olives. And on the top of the Mount of Olives, in the time of David, that's where the tabernacle was, overlooking the city. The tabernacle in David's time would have had kind of this view, overlooking. It's where we go for a panoramic view of the city of Jerusalem. And uh, if you can't see, I can pass it. Can you see this enough? To, or do you want me to pass it around? Well, whatever. If? Okay. if you can't see it, come up and look at it. Okay. It's difficult to get that all on a, on a slide because it's so expansive. Okay, we're ready for uh, Samuel.
3: So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. Then someone told David saying, Ahithophel? Mm -hmm. is among the conspirators with Absalom and David said oh lord I pray turn the counsel of of (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh,
0: Yeah. easy for anybody to say foolishness (laughs) so here we have weeping on the way out of town David the king is under assault from his own son his own son is taken out of bounty on his head Wanted dead or alive. David leaves town. He covers his head. And he's weeping on the way out of the city. And he turns back and looks. Weeping. Over Jerusalem. And you know we cannot tell. It doesn't tell us. uh, That this is an exact spot. But people imagine that at the very same spot. That Jesus stopped to weep. Is where David turned and wept over the city. And, uh, Jesus, son of David, if you will. And so he's, he's going out, his head is covered, he's weeping, he's headed towards the tabernacle, and that's where he tries to, uh, you know, evade his son's attack on him. And, uh, there's another interesting thing about how he's going out. You see the terrain there? <laughs> you know, rock terrain. How are his feet shod? He's barefoot. What is barefoot a symbol of in Bible times? Slavery. 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 You know, and so David is, he's lost it all, basically. He's lost everything. He's lost it all. <coughs> he's leaving. He's running for his life. You know, how many of you know the feeling of having family members who hate your guts? Anybody here? Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, uh, he's leaving, and it's like he's a slave. He's lost everything. He's totally lost everything, running for his life, weeping. And that was on the Mount of Olives. Matthew 21, 1-6. through
2: 6. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you, should, you shall say... The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them.
0: So on Palm Sunday, or the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, when people are waving palm branches before him and shouting what? Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're shouting and praising and uh, they laid palm branches before him. The disciples, it had its start at the top, overlooking the city of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus is riding this donkey. And those of you who have been there realize It is not an easy trip down the Mount of Olives. It's sloping and uh, if uh, Marsha Williams were here she would tell her story that she just loves. She loves this story more than anything else. Pastor, you remember when we were on the Mount of Olives. Yes, I remember, Marcia. And you, 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 it was raining a little bit. It was a little misty. It wasn't pouring, but it was misty. And you were telling everybody that the limestone there that was the papers was real slippery. And, and you said, everybody, be careful, don't slip. And, and as you said that, you went, whoop! You know, yes, I, I, I remember that, Marcia. Thank you. Thank you very much. A humbling moment. For the tour leader. But uh, it's very treacherous, uh, very sloped uh, going down. And on the left side you have this massive cemetery with each of those markers is the, it's not the grave itself, it is a a grave marker. And they will put a little candle in there to uh, uh, memorialize the person who died there. Largest Jewish cemetery in the world. Uh, so that happened on the Mount of Olives. Jesus stopped on his way half down, halfway down, and there's a church there to commemorate the fact that uh, Jesus wept over the city. And the uh, Bartolucci is one of the the guys who built many of the the churches. Uh, commemorating different spots in the Holy Land. And he tied in different things into the architecture to remind people of what happened there. And the shape of the dome of this uh, little mini chapel is in the shape of a teardrop. And it's shaped like a tear catcher. Uh, It was a custom in ancient times to young women to to wanting to find a, a spouse a marriage, they would weep and they would garner up their tears and when they were separated from their loved one, or when their loved one went into surgery and they were awaiting the bell to ring to go and, and serve him, they would weep and they would catch their tears oh well, give it a good
2: ring, Mike give it a yeah, just give it a good read. They
0: would catch the tears, and it was a sign of humility and great love. So I have at the house. We have some of those, don't we, honey? A yeah, tear catcher. We yeah. Well, we could loan it to. Couldn't could we loan it to Christy? Do you think? So you for, for tears. Yeah, collector tears. Enough. Okay. I have some pretty good sized jars. Yes. Yeah, so, so the so the thing is in the shape of a tear catcher, and uh, also they have chickens all over the field. I'm having a flashback. Anybody remember the old Kroger commercials? get your eggs at Kroger's. They're perfect. Eggs <laughs> <Edgy. laughs> Not square. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's, it's terrible. They don't remember that. Okay. Well, whatever. It's, it's in the they have the chicks there to remind you that Jesus said how often I would have gathered my chicks underneath my wing, but you would not. And so all the symbolism that's there, and in the mosaic on the floor, there's there's little chicks and a hen. And also, there's teardrops in the stained glass to remind that Jesus wept over the city. Mm-hmm. And as you're looking out that, they, they removed the trees to a level where you could see right to the Golden Dome uh, on the top of the Temple Mount. So, and it happened on the Mount. Okay. Oops. Yep, went too far. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm technologically challenged and you know it.
2: Want me to do it? Oh no, no. No 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 thanks. No no
0: thanks. No thanks. No thanks. Okay. Let's try again. Okay. In Matthew twenty four After Jesus had gone through and toured the Herod's temple, he came and went across the the little valley there and sat down on the Mount of Olives, probably in Gethsemane area, to teach the disciples about the end times. And they said, Hey, Master, isn't this beautiful? Isn't this gorgeous? And Jesus said, Well, There's coming a day when not one stone that you see here is going to be left on top of another. He says, well, when will this happen? When's the end of the world? That must be the end of the world. When that happens, and Jesus begins the teachings in Matthew 24, 25 and following about the end times. That there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and nations rising against nations. And in verses 3 through 8, he says... Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. As you study this, the disciples thought when the temple is torn down, that's it. It's over. You know, it's the end. But that was 2,000 years ago and the end has not yet come. Jesus if you'll use this as a personal study, Jesus answers each of their three questions in sequence. When will these things be? He has just told them there's not going to be one stone. He says you're going to, it's going to be surrounded by uh, enemy forces and you're trying to escape. The Romans surrounded it and tore it down not one brick on top, block on top of another. And, uh, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Each of those things that they, the Lord is coming again. But He's coming first of all for His church. Amen? Amen? And then He's coming at the end of time, what we call the second coming, when He sets foot on the Mount of Olives. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So many people have gotten confused about Matthew 24 and the aspects of prophecy Jesus has answered, they, they asked three questions that they think are all about the end of everything, if the temple's torn down. Jesus said, well, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this, and he, one at a time, he answers all three of their questions, and it's three different events, or series of events. So, that happened on the Mount of Olives, overlooking The city of Jerusalem. And then another thing that happened, of course, on the Mount of Olives is the episodes in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus, after the communion, after the Lord's Supper uh, of meeting with the disciples, they sang a hymn and departed and went from the upper room up in Jerusalem. They walked out, out the city gates, across the valley, up halfway on the other side and went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what did Jesus do at the Garden of Gethsemane? What did He, first of all, instruct His disciples and the three closest to Him to do? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And then He pulled three of them, a little, and He says, come with me, and they went a little bit further with Him. And He says, watch and pray. Don't enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the disciples... The three, Peter, James, and John. What was their response to Jesus' encouragement to watch and pray? They
1: fell asleep.
0: They fell asleep. And Jesus came back three times. Came back three times. And, hey, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course, right. You know, Have you ever had trouble waking up? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had trouble staying awake? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it painful sometimes? Every Sunday. I'm going to pause just a moment. (laughs) You're always there for me, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) It's painful. (laughs) 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 Okay. Well, okay. I'm just going to leave it alone. Okay. uh, So the disciples tried, but they failed miserably. And Jesus just finally came back and says, sleep on. He prayed through on the matter. Father, if you you would be so kind as to let me pass this, but not my will, yours be done. And then in the distance, coming out of the city of Jerusalem, at night, he saw torches coming. Imagine that picture out of the the gates of that city. Soldiers coming with torches. Mm -hmm. They come up halfway up the The side of the hill, and come, and there's Judas with the high priest and his officers and whoever, and what was the name of the servant? To Malchus. 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 He stepped over, and Peter sliced his ear off. off. He brought a sword to a prayer meeting, (laughs) and I've seen that happen. But but uh, Jesus healed the servant. And then they took Jesus away as all the disciples, every last one of them, took off and ran and left Jesus alone. So it was in Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. It was a place of prayer and weeping and the arrest. And uh, we read about those things in Various places in the Scripture about what happened in Gethsemane and uh, place where they ran in fear from Him, but also there's something in the future that's going to happen on the Mount of Olives, and you, it, it helps using this picture. If you can't see it, let me. I'm going to pass it around anyway. And so you get the feel of it. You're looking from the very top pitch on the Mount of Olives, And on this one side, are all these tubes, when you get over to the green side, that's where the gardens and everything are. And you could pass that back. So I get somebody to read for me out of the Old Testament, Zechariah, chapter 14, verse 4. Zechariah, yes.
3: And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of the half of the, toward the south.
0: Okay, prophetically, the prophet Zechariah is saying that in the end of time, Jesus is going to return and set foot on the Mount of Olives. And as you look at that, as Jesus he comes back at this time, not to to meet us in the clouds. That's called the rapture of the church. The glorious is period. Jesus is going to come back for his people. Those who are born again. We're going to be immediately changed. Transformed. Taken up. But then ushers in a period of tribulation. Great tribulation. God's giving another chance for people. To call upon the name of the Lord. and But many of them do not. Some are saved during the great tribulation. But you don't want to risk that one folks. If, if, he, if you don't want to get saved now, you're probably not want, going to want to side with the, with the Lord when everybody's being killed that does. So, at the end of that, the Lord is coming back with ten thousands of His saints. That's us. And He's going to set foot on top of the Mount of Olives and it's going to just have an earthquake down the middle of it and all of those graves are going to be pushed that way. And all of the olive trees are going to be pushed that way. And that winding trail down from the top is going to be a straight, make straight the paths of the Lord. And he is going to come down as the king of glory. And he's going to walk in and the, he's not walking through a cemetery anymore. He's walking where no dead bones are. He's walking in the midst of that that. Center, and he's going to walk right up and walk right in to the the holy city and walk right in and sit down on the mercy seat as his throne and he will rule and reign for a thousand years the and uh, the sight of the second coming of Jesus Christ prophesied in Zechariah and uh, there are two sets of, of uh, cemeteries on that site, the one the Jewish every good Jew, devout Jew wants to pay the big bucks and be buried in that because they believe that's the first one going up, they, they don't know about the rapture <laughs> they, but they, they want to be the first when, when he sets foot on they believe that scripture that he's going to set foot on the mount of Olives. and uh, talk to a good devout Jew and they it's prime property uh, but up in front, across the road, and up at the front of the of the walled-off Golden Gate, there's a Muslim cemetery, and that was put there by Mo- Muslims who believe that Jesus might come back because they believe he's a holy man. He can't he'd be contaminated if he went through a graveyard. They don't realize. <coughs> just spinning it wide open with an earthquake and walk right in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord, mighty. Who is this King of Glory? Open wide ye gates, and the King shall come in. In Psalms 22 and 24. So, there's a lot of things happening on the Mount of Olives. And that's where Jesus went Everybody else, last verse of chapter 7, everybody went home after that. They were were fussing and messing with each other. But Jesus had no home. He was from 100 miles away where he lived in Capernaum. And so he went over and camped out in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. It was a common place for travelers to go because underneath the olive trees there was shelter. Very dense branches and gnarled branches and leaves. And uh, it was a a dry place to be. Say, well, I believe he went over there to pray some more. Well, I'm sure he did. But it was a common place where travelers would have free housing when they came for the feast days. And you remember, what were the, the feast that was just through? It was the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. And some of the branches were olive branches that were on the top of those booths. And so they were celebrating the Feast of Booths underneath a covering. So we don't know what he was doing there, but we assume. It was where he was staying by himself. The disciples weren't with him. He was just there. But what does he do the very next morning? The feast is over. Everybody else went home. Everybody else is going back up from this feast. Everybody else went to their own house. What does Jesus do? Does he say, well, feast is over. I'll just pack up and go back to Capernaum. What does Jesus do? He had a date
3: with uh,
0: the adulteress. He, verse 2, now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So Jesus, it's not just about having a feast and then going and doing whatever he wanted. He's still basically on the clock. He's still teaching, and he's still at the temple. And when we're looking at the temple, there's several aspects of the temple. For the common person... Did the common, everyday, ordinary person go inside the temple? No. No. Who could go inside the court and inside the main building of the temple? Who could go in there? Priest. Just the priesthood. And who could go inside the Holy of Holies? Just the high priest. The high priest. And how often did he get to do that? Once a, year. Once a year on the Day of Atonement. And so when it says he went to the temple, there was the temple. But then there were buildings with the temple. And back in Matthew 23, 24, 23 and 24, the the disciples are talking about all the buildings of the temple. And that all of that is going to be ultimately destroyed. And uh, further showing my lack of technological prowess, I had to come back down here get to my next scene. These are artist renderings of Herod's temple. And some of the big aspects of Herod's temple were the temple itself and then the massive courtyard where tens of thousands of people could gather on the high and holy days. And on the one side of the temple mount, which was massive, it's like six, seven football fields up there. There is this structure, which basically was the uh, treasury. This is where the money changers would have been. This is where you could go and redeem your your piece of, of silver for a sacrifice. You didn't have to carry it all the way, the animal all the way to Jerusalem. You could exchange it locally, bring the coin in. They would give you a, an animal for sacrifice. Sometimes they were robbing you, blind, and bait and switch. But this is where it was supposed to happen. It was considered like the bank of Israel. You were not to bring any foreign coinage into the temple area. Uh, You were to exchange it for Jewish currency. But we know that not everybody did that because Jesus was up by the temple on one occasion. And they were picking at him. And he said, show me a coin. Remember that? He's on the Temple Mount. No foreign currency is to be taken there. It was supposed to be exchanged here in this, this area. But they said, whose image in that is on that coin? He says, well, it's Caesar. And he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. They, they were disobeying their own rules. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees were. It's may not have been interested in you, but I found it funny. But <clears throat> now the woman up there who had two mites, when the Romans took over, they used to melt down the local coinage, but they didn't bother with the mites because they weren't worth a hoot. They were less than a penny. So this is the, the banking area, the exchange money exchange area. Let's go on. he this is inside the temple court itself going up to the temple to go inside where the sacrifices would be made main building of the temple pretty soon here we'll get to what I want to see I think we may have passed it let me go back here This is coming up the steps. There's the temple. This is the outer court area. Okay, here, that's where I want to be. If I could get rid of those, I'd stop it. Oh! I couldn't get to where I wanted to be. Okay, I'm going to stay right here by this. That there's where I want to be. Okay. Now over here, That's the main temple itself, okay? This is the courtyard where even Gentiles could watch what was going on and see. Over here is the financial place where the money changers would have had their stuff set up. Back here, you see, all around the back of the the temple is a covered area, and this was called Solomon's Porch. Solomon's porch. It was a place for everybody to come. If it was raining, you were, you were covered. If it was sunshiny, you were in the cool. And there's many references to Solomon's porch in the New Testament. You say, was it was this a part of the of the uh, Solomon's temple? No. It was only a part of Herod's temple. Herod built it in honor of of King Solomon because he was supposed to be a wise king and had a place for everybody. And so many of the events can you think of other events that happened in the New Testament at Solomon's porch? Well get a picture of it? I will tell you will take you there momentarily as soon as I get back to my spot. Okay. One of the references is found in John chapter 10. A couple chapters ahead of us. John chapter 10 verses 22 through 30. Who would read that for us? John chapter 10.
2: You're distracting, right, Mary Lou? Okay, okay. quick, we'll do it. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear. You do not believe, because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one.
0: Praise God. God. Okay, that's one reference. This is at the Feast of Dedication, which is, Hanukkah. you remember, it's Hanukkah. Right. We talked about that a few weeks ago uh, when we were talking about some of the feasts. Jesus attended the Feast of Dedication, which is the Feast of Hanukkah. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 11, and then chapter 5 and verse 12. Who would read those two portions for Or maybe... One person read one, and one person read another. Who'll take Acts three eleven? Okay, Mary Lou's got that. Acts five twelve. Okay, andy has got that. Okay. Ready? Three eleven. Yes.
1: While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were done astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade.
0: <coughs> okay. Solomon's Colonnade or Solomon's Porch, greatly amazed. Then Acts chapter 5, verse 12.
2: And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Okay.
0: So, the early church met in that long covered structure called Solomon's porch. That's, uh, you know, the place where the early church started. They started in uh, rented facilities, if you will. They started in a place that was open for all people to gather... And the crowds of the believers, thousands of them, could fit in there and be a part of that, of that uh, gathering. We find that they, the lame man that uh, was healed by, by uh, Peter and John, they gathered the people at Solomon's porch and began to teach them it was about Jesus. Don't look on us like we did it. This person is healed because of one called Jesus, whom you crucified. God raised him from the dead. And so Solomon's porch was a common place of gathering in the shade. Now, we don't comprehend what it's like to have warm, hot temperatures at all times, (laughs) like over in the Holy Land. But it was uh, Solomon's porch provided shade in the heat of the day and covering if it ever rained, which very seldom did. So this is where Jesus is doing his teaching in that morning. And uh, verse 2 of John chapter 8. Now early in the morning he came, Jesus came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, this is underneath that big colonnade there, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? And they said this, testing him. I just have a few questions. You know me. I just have a few questions. My first question. Where's the guy? Right? They just bring the gap. As if it was just her fault. Uh, She was committing adultery by herself. Where's the guy? Uh, Because the scripture is clear. Deuteronomy, who could read for me? Deuteronomy 22.22. Easy to find. Deuteronomy 22.22. Is it just me or is it extremely warm in here? Warm. Somebody, I usually have you turn it up, but turn it down or open my door over here. Let me get a breeze down the hallway, starting to fricassee up here. I'm going to start spinning around so I'm a rotisserie uh, turkey. But uh, how warm is it anyway? 76. Oh, Whoa, that's exactly what I didn't set it on. Okay, there we go. <laughs> that's what I set it on this movie. Oh, really? Well, I shut it down to 68 when we left this morning. Oh, oh. somebody else pumped it up. Well, there we go. Okay. Mean? Okay. So Deuteronomy mm-hmm. twenty-two, twenty-two. Who's going to do that one? Okay, Mary Lou. And Leviticus twenty, ten. How did that okay, happen? Quentin. We have the dynamic duo reading for us tonight. Anybody can play. Anybody can be a part. Deuteronomy 22.22.
1: If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die, you must purge evil from Israel.
0: Okay. That's pretty clear. Yeah. You know. Where's the guy? You know. Uh Where's the guy? And then Leviticus 20.10.
2: The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death.
0: There wasn't a whole lot of fooling around going on back under Mosaic law. Bottom line. Because what happened? It was one of those one-and-done offenses because they were taken outside the camp and stoned to death. They wanted to purge immorality from the midst of the camp. Because if you let it harbor, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. And so, (coughs) who was supposed to perish if they were, who was supposed to get stoned here? Both of them. Both of them. Both of them. So, where's the guy? Got a thought? I do. Hiding. They head. found. But well, did you notice what they said? What did they say about catching her? In the
1: midst of it.
0: In the very act. Now, you you can't be in the very act by yourself, sisters. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no. There's it it appears that it is a setup. Mm-hmm. That the guy may not even. Yeah, it may have been, you know, they could have just book two or three witnesses falsely claiming and setting her up. But we have a we have a sense that no, she was engaged in adultery because Jesus told her, sin no more. It wasn't just a setup, she was committing sin. But uh we'll talk about that in a moment. So what are some possibilities about the the guy who is missing from this uh, vigilante group. What are some possibilities? He has connections. He had connections. <laughs> it was one of them. It's probably one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, the, the, we're not told all the specifics, but there's enough details here for us to ferret out and see uh, some other interesting things about it. Uh, The guy was probably somewhere in that group. Or, if she was prone to this behavior, maybe several of the guys had been with her. Yeah. Jesus would have known that too, since he's all knowing. Yeah. So what does Jesus do? They say, what are you going to do? We found this girl right in the middle of committing... Sexual immorality. Uh, Moses said we're supposed to stone her to death. Well, they're only quoting half the verse, right? right. They, they missed the other half of the verse. And what are you going to do about it? And they said this to test him to see if he'd go easy on her. And what does Jesus do? Does he just turn around and talk to him right then? What does Jesus do? Just he just talk, he acts like he didn't even hear him. <laughs> he acts like he just didn't hear him. But they keep keep on yelling at him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And uh, what does Jesus do? In the <laughs> he kind of stoops down, starts doodling in the dust of the sand on the top of the temple mount. And, uh, and he looks up and he says, uh, what does he say to him? He, he was without sin.
1: first of all, without sin for the the first stone. Throw the
0: first stone. Cast is the first stone. And we've talked about this many times before. The casting of the stone of accusation was paramount in this story. We remember the story of Mary and Joseph. How that when Joseph learned that Mary was expectant of a child that he was not the father of, she tried to tell him an angel came, and he didn't buy it. What was his <coughs> options that were in front of him? The scripture tells us
2: he
3: could have um, just uh, um, broken his promise to marry her, and you know, and made it like all her fault, but he didn't.
0: Yeah, he would would have been forced to be the caster of the first stone. He would make an example of her publicly. Now, back in those days, the Roman soldiers and others were uh, very promiscuous, and so they didn't know if they were necessarily going to find out who was the father of this child that... Uh, Joseph knew he was not. But he did not want to make a public spectacle of her because the custom of the day was. He would call the elders of the city. They would go out to the gate of the city. And he would say, She has shamed me. She has broken our covenant. She is pregnant with a, with a child that is not mine. And she's lying to me. And it would be his responsibility to cast the first stone. Adulterer! And then the rest of the people would pick up stones and she would be dead. But the scripture tells us that Joseph, not willing, he still loved her. He didn't believe her necessarily, but he still loved her not willing to make a public example of her and stone her publicly. Said, we're going to take you away privately and we'll never see each other again and we'll just go on with our lives. But you'll be alive, not dead. But while he's tossing and turning at night, the angel came to him and says, don't be afraid to take Mary to your wife. This is not some... Immoral thing that happened. This was a God thing that happened. She is expected of the Holy Ghost, and that child that's going to be born, it's going to be the Son of God, the Messiah. You'll call His name Jesus, and uh, so then he was he, he was the only happy person about Caesar Augustus's tax. He was the only happy. They got out of town and went down to Bethlehem outside of Jerusalem. And that's when the baby was delivered. So, the, the concept of the stone of accusation was alive and well, where a person who had been wronged by this situation would have to cast the first stone. So, nobody wanted to do that. Nobody wanted to own up that they knew her. Or that they had knowledge of the situation, or anything else. What do you think Jesus was writing in the sand? Got any theories? There's all kinds of theories out there. We don't know. Don't, don't say, Pastor said. No, Pastor said we don't know. the uh, name of not there from Ames. If you ever get a chance, how many of you ever saw the movie The Gospel Road by Johnny Cash? Anybody? I, I don't remember, but I've seen some of the music. It, well, it would help if you remembered it. <laughs> you know, you know, you <laughs> slept through that, right? Yeah. That. Okay. The Gospel Road, it was a low-budget film that Johnny Cash produced and about the life of Christ and the life of ministry, death, and resurrection of Christ. But it has some really cool scenes in it. If you ever got a chance to get a copy of it and watch it, if you like, how many of you like Johnny Cash music? Okay. Well, he writes all the songs in it, and he's got the kind of guitar going on and talking about the gospel road, that gospel highway. And uh, June Carter Cash is Mary Magdalene in it. All kind of uh, Chris Christopherson is. Is is uh, Jesus? I think there's all kinds of different people in there, but uh, Johnny Cash made that film, and it was a very low budget. I mean, a crowd scene was about the size of this class. You know, you know, feeding the five thousand was kind of taking a couple people out to lunch. You know, it was it's low budget, but when it comes to the place where the woman taken in adultery, June Carter Cash, is brought before. Jesus, he has him writing down, and this is what Johnny Cash's take on it is. And he wrote out some of the sins of the people that were standing there. Right? their name and then thief, robber, adulterer, you know, different, different other things. Uh, so that was his take. Other people over the years have said that he was naming names and taking names uh, of the people that had been with this woman. Because nobody was there to accuse her, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody there to cast the first stone. Nor was the guy who was with her anywhere to be found. Now, you you know, they ought to have been able to catch both of them, right? (laughs) They were together. Yeah, they were together. We know that they were. (laughs) In the very act. I'm agreeing with you. Okay, thank you. Thank you you for agreeing with me. uh, You're awake for this. Okay, I got you. So, we don't know what he wrote. Some suggest that he was just killing time to let it simmer with them. And so, after a while, he says, Oh, okay. Um, I know what Moses said. She's supposed to be stoned. Uh, Who wants to throw the first one and make the accusation because you were wronged? You were wronged by it. and they began what does it say that they did does it say anything about what happened when, when Jesus said that to him? say anything at all
1: it says the older ones left first
0: yeah <laughs> okay okay what do you say they said this to him testing him and then he he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up, stood up, and said to them, okay, if you're without sin. If you have no sin in this matter, you throw the rock of accusation. (coughs) And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard him heard it being what? Convicted. Convicted by their conscience. Went out one by one. Beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. So we don't know what he wrote. It may have not even been significant. I believe it. Was, if it was significant. He would tell us what he wrote. He was just letting it simmer. Sometimes... God just lets things simmer. How many of you have ever been under conviction of the Holy Spirit? What's that like? Not fun. Not fun. He just laid it on and says, okay, if you have no involvement in this, you're going to cast the first stone. Go for it. they were convicted by what Jesus said the Holy Spirit moved through those words and let's see if I throw the first stone that I am admitting I knew her and I was one of the people that caught her and I let the guy go because I knew he'd be standing right over there (laughs) you know we, we don't know but there was a conviction of the Holy Spirit upon everybody there and what, what do you think the significance is from the oldest to the youngest, the oldest to the last? Uh, any,
2: any, uh, They had more sin in their lives. <laughs> they, they, they've been
0: at sinning for a longer time, right? They were, well, I, I don't, you know, I, I think I'll leave now. Uh, this is somebody else's fight. I'm not going to, and they all left. They, they all left. And left Jesus alone with the woman. And what's Jesus begin to say then?
1: Where are your accusers go?
0: Where your accusers, Where, accusers go? And she goes, I don't know. They're gone. And uh, they're not here. Has no one condemned you? No one cast that first stone of accusation? She says, no one, Lord. Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus. Some people say, Well, Jesus just let her off. No, He did not. He called it sin, and He said to stop it. Because He will ultimately judge sin. God does not always judge right now, but He will always judge right and righteously. And uh, if you think it's you've gotten away with it because you haven't gotten judged yet, you're dumb as a rock. God, surely your sin will find you out. And Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so many people today want to just take this as kind of a Jesus is such a nice guy He didn't judge her or anything. Will you remember what John 317 says? You all know John 3.16, right?
2: that the, the world's condemned already.
0: Well, read it. John 3.17. We know uh, three three sixteen pretty much. Let's all say it while you're turning there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What's the next verse he For say? God did not send his Son yeah. into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. His mission was not condemnation but mercy. He didn't come here to judge right then. He came to show a path of salvation for everybody. Scribes, Pharisees, rich young rulers, fishermen, tax collectors, even women caught in the very act of adultery. I haven't come to condemn you right now. But I'm coming back as judge. You will stand before the judge one day. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus came to provide a path to salvation for everyone, no matter their sin, no matter their past, no matter their situation. Aren't you glad? Amen? Amen. Yes. Amen. And just because... God has not judged you yet for that <clears throat> secret thing you're doing. Don't think you're, you've you gotten away and fooled God. Amen? Amen? He knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so we need to realize that just because God hasn't judged yet does not mean He's not going to judge ever. So it's important for us to receive what He says, go and sin no more. Stop right there. Okay? So there's all kinds of lessons there with the woman caught in adultery. But if you come up with any other thoughts, where's the guy? What did he write? And what did he say? What?
1: If you look at how they treat their women over there now in the mace and all
2: that, they they practically torture their wives and stuff all the time. Not in Israel. Not in Israel, but
0: over yeah. in the Middle East. Yeah, don't lump us all together. How bad did they get in Israel? I've got my I've got my
1: oh, my man. Israeli Defense Forces <laughs> shirt on today. Maybe not in Israel now. Of course not. But back then was a they weren't all saved. No. How did big were the, they their running back they then? Didn't. That's why the man was never given up. They didn't tell who the man was because the men had more kind of, of stick together.
0: Yeah. But Jesus knew the law because he wrote it. Well, I know he knew it. And, uh, uh, you know, they 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 just, it's one of those things, when you catch somebody in a lie, isn't it fun to watch them squirm? <laughs> How many of you parents, have you ever caught your kid in a lie? <laughs> and you just let them go and hang themselves with it, you know, because they're going to try and tell you something else and then something else and oh I thought you said oh yeah uh, well about that it's Jesus lets us catch ourselves in those things yes in Middle Eastern countries womanhood is not an elevated position especially under Muslim control they have very few rights in some places they're not allowed to learn to read Afghanistan, some of the other strict Taliban cultures, they're not allowed to get an education. They're not allowed to make a decision for themselves. Their father or someone else makes a decision. You have arranged marriages in Saudi Arabia and Yemen where uh, guys 80, 90 years old will be marrying a 15-year-old girl. And she has no choices in the matter. That is not the way it is in Israel. And God is the one who set up the rules to give equity. Not just the woman is caught in adultery, but the guy too. The punishment was on both sides. That was foreign back in those days. Men were gods. They were large and in charge. Women had no rights at all. But under the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, Women have a higher, elevated place in the cause of, of the Lord, and in the, all those things. Yes.
1: Yeah. One of my uh, cooks was a, a Muslim woman, and she was forty, and her husband was in his eighties, mm-hmm. and she had a middle school age child. Now, she told us that when he died, she could choose her next husband. Yeah. But that first one was chosen, and he was in his eighties, and I mean, he would pick her up at work and.
0: I did work. She did. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a Christianity and Judaism elevated the place of woman. Under under other cultures, they were just slaves. They were servants. They were property to be bought and sold. But the Word of God elevates the woman. <coughs> elevates, and you look at the church uh, it says, you know, men are to love their wives. How? As, as christ loved his, loved his church and gave himself for it it's not a uh, autocratic society uh, it's a it's to be a love-based relationship okay so per request that we have tonight yes Deb needs healing yes
1: christy has a podcast Right Friday they see a few places they want to look at. Okay. So they'll stand if um, if needed.
0: Uh, I didn't get if what that what you said.
1: They'll stand yeah. if needed.
0: Oh okay, okay. If okay. Needed I couldn't. Or if they're able,
2: if not then and that's this Friday? Yes. Okay.
0: And then you have your bell ringing surgery next Monday. Monday morning. <laughs> and you'll get me all the timing <laughs> yes. and details. And then I will plug it into my GPS. And yes. Get there.
1: Yes. I have back surgery or something next week, but I don't know when it is or what time. Well, let oh. me know. We'll try to be there. Probably. Back surgery or well, I don't really know what he's going to do, but he's going to my back. Then they're going to fix my knees next. But he's going to do my back first. Okay. Next week? Next week, I think. You think? You sure. know? <laughs> well, when you know, <laughs> let
2: me you know. I'll tell you when I find out. <laughs> it's pretty serious, Chris. Yeah, I, I find out. <laughs> no, we got it written down. We have to go right actually. Oh, okay, yeah. We both kind of lose it over
0: there. Do you want to thank everybody for your prayers? Continue, keep praying. I'm about 75% on the left eye. I'm coming back. That's crazy. And. Uh, Dr. Dr. Linda's going to let me drive, I, I think, tomorrow, the next day. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to be released at this. But, uh, well, let's go to prayer. Can I have several lead us out in the word of prayer tonight? And uh, I'll close in a little bit. situations Father sometimes people just want to test us they just want to mess with us but they were always messing with you Jesus and you came out leaving them speechless on the other side we ask for your wisdom and direction in dealing with people that are trying to test us and and thwart us and mess with us give us guidance and direction and insight And, Father, we lift up these that are needing healing, those that are facing various surgeries and procedures. We're asking, Father, for Christy, that you would clear out any uh, area of blockage and that you would give her a clean bill of health. We also pray, Father, for Mike, as he's getting ready to face this surgery, that you would prepare the way and that you would cause the healing processes to be sped up in his body after this. We pray for Ed and whatever procedures he's going to have done. Father, that you would guide the surgeons and those that are ministering to him and let him have release. We pray for Deb that you would you would heal her body. She's going through so many different things and she needs the master's touch on her whole body for healing. We pray for Brandon and and the situations with they were taking the bandages off today. We're asking, Father, for you to be with him. In other situations, we pray for unsaved loved ones. We pray for those that have walked away from you or those who never committed to you. Father, that you would draw. You didn't come to condemn them. You came that they might be saved. And we ask, Father God, that we'll share with them the good news that Jesus loves them enough to save them. If all they, only they would call upon your name. We ask Father God for your your many blessings as we go forth. We praise you for the new mercies that we experience every single day. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. We give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Thank you for coming out.